what that even means but sure hi and welcome to after behind the hype it's me also is brian dressel with me as always chewy darso hi and jonathan hardesty oh man hi <laughs> <laughs> yeah the, these intros aren't the best this month um i'm not gonna blame eve stewart because we're here to celebrate her but you know you gotta blame someone don't blame she has nothing to do it's with it's much this. easier to blame somebody other than myself, of course, you know. They can't defend herself because she doesn't <laughs> even know we exist. She might. Who knows? Maybe she's a fan. Who knows? Mm. Possibly. <laughs> Week well, two. At least until these intros. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, she's heard both of these. She's like, nah, I'm done with that show. Uh-huh. Uh, Week two of Eve Stewart Month. Uh, last week, we had a lot of fun talking about a movie that was uh, pretty good. Yeah. 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 And this week, we're talking about a movie that's uh, well, it's pretty good, I guess. <laughs> Yep. Yep. Tonally, it's way better. Sure. Yeah, it does a lot of things far better, but still. Until yeah. the end, then there's a there's a definite tonal shift at the end. Yeah. I mean, I guess. I mean, I, I'm being really nice to last week's movie. I think if you go back and listen to it, we're, we're rather mean to it. Yeah. Um, we also had a lot of new listeners last week, so if you guys stuck around this week, hi, welcome back. Hello. Really hope you're not just a whole bunch of Charles Dickens fans that now just fierily hate us I mean, <laughs> for not liking that movie. If you are, <laughs> let us know, and maybe we'll just do a month on Charles on Dickens uh, yeah, adaptations. I am totally down for that. If if we just watched the wrong Dickens movie, let us know, and we'll do a month on Charles Dickens. Like I have the perfect we'll intro for the Dickens month. Too many Dickens on the dance floor, right? Oh, that's pretty Aww. good. <laughs> See, now we kind of have to do it, so let us know if you're mad at us, or not, I if you liked it. quite literally never seen any version, nor have I ever read the novel of Oliver Twist. Well, there's good versions and bad versions. Moving on! Uh- <laughs> I never even saw the one with the dancing dog. I saw the one song. Oliver and Company? Yeah. That's actually a good one. I like that one. I know. Yeah. I don't like a lot of Disney. I like that one. But it's got Billy Joel, so you know. That's, I thought it, that was Disney? I no, thought that definitely. was a Blum. No, that's Disney. Oh. At least I'm pretty sure. I'm giving it like a 90% sure. Pretty confident. Eve Stewart had nothing to do with it. Though. Nope. So we should probably move back to Eve Stewart. <laughs> uh, so this week, uh, week two, we're, we're continuing down the, uh, the, the theory that I liked from last month, where we're all just going to pick one movie. And John picked uh, A Cure for Wellness, a Gore Verbinski film uh, that came out a couple years ago, maybe a few years ago now. Uh, to uh, virtually no one. Ba- basically no one saw it. The few people who did said it was okay, and that was really the end of it. Chewie and I saw it in theaters, and I know yeah. we both really liked it, and then we never watched it again. I don't, I don't think it aged that John, well. John, did you see it before this? No, I missed it. I missed it in the theaters. I, I was taken in by the trailers, and I was really interested. Like, oh, this seems cool, and I enjoy Gore Verbinski's films. Like, on a basic level, they're all entertaining. They always have fun ideas, and there's something to them that... Uh, I like him as a director. So I was like, all right. As a father of two daughters, how did you like this movie? Well, I mean, the subject matter was a little uh, kind of squicky. We'll get <laughs> I mean, to that. On IMDb, the first phrase under plot keywords is father-daughter love. <laughs> <laughs> Yuck. Yeah, I definitely uh, didn't know that going into this. <laughs> what 
Oh my god, the plot keywords are terrible. Yeah, they're they're real rough. Real rough. Oh no. The plot keywords are spreading. <laughs> Why is capitalism there? <laughs> Yuck. <laughs> I kind of interrupted you, John. I'm sorry. Continue. Oh, yeah. No, no. I was interested in this because of, yeah, Gore Verbinski. And yeah, that was mainly it. And I missed it. So. Yeah, I think that's the only reason Chewie and I ran to go see it in theaters. Like, the trailer for this movie, if you haven't seen it, is fucking incredible. Obviously, it grabbed John's attention, grabbed Chewie and I's attention. I like, liked their advertising campaign pretty but, much the whole way through. Uh, the Trailer House Trailer Park made this one, who make fucking like every huge trailer that really gets people to go see a movie then they show up and they go that's not the movie i thought you're gonna <laughs> be trailer park is the best at that kind of nothing against them because they're told to make a movie that make a trailer for a movie that will make people want to go see it they do just that they did the suicide squad trailer which made them go back and remake suicide squad a trailer park's pretty good they won a bunch of awards for this trailer it was the best trailer of the year to a lot of people like, it was a great trailer movie there's a lot of strong parts and a lot of weak parts kind of ends up being <laughs> fine i finally realized what the guy at the end reminded me of you well before you talk about that let, let's john little let, let, words let's let john do a quick breakdown of what happens yeah. in the movie before you can talk about mold face <laughs> That's his name now, Moldface. <laughs> Moldy McMolderson. He's a burn victim. It's green though. Why is it green? He's, he's Moldface. Right, John, what happens John, capitalism. <laughs> capitalism. Actually, like, that's probably it. That's probably it. Okay. All right. <laughs> Movie solved. Yeah. All right. So the plot is. Uh, this major company is going through a merger, and in order to do so, they have to get the signature of one of their founding members, uh, Pembroke. So they send Dane DeHaan uh, over to this spa where they last saw or heard from this major stakeholder, whoever, Pembroke, and try to get him to bring him back by force um, using, you know, like, they've got some dirt on Dane DeHaan's character, Lockhart. So he goes, sees all a bunch of weird stuff, and... It's like, you know, I'm going to come back. Let's just come back and get him later. And he gets into a car accident and then finds himself back at this spa, this sanitarium, this place. And things just start keeping him there. And then there's a mystery involved, what's going on, what's really going on. And he goes through a lot of creepy scenes and some great set design before he realizes that these all these old people are being harvested for their liquids their precious bodily fluids to create a serum that lets you live forever and the founder of this uh jason isaac's character is the one who is he's this baron from a long time ago and he was the one doing these experiments who started this whole thing and he's been living forever on these peasants and these old people these old rich people and the reason he's doing this also is to uh have sex with his daughter and then they, the daughter and Dane DeHaan burn the place down and escape. And that's about it. Yeah, yeah, that, that's about it. It's an odd movie, to say the <laughs> least. When, when you get to the motivations, it's like, wait, what? 
And I realized on the second viewing, it's not the vitamins that keep them young. The vitamins are count are a uh, what's the word? They counteract Anti, like an anti-venom sort of yeah, thing. Yeah, yeah. They counteract the negative effects of the water they're drinking. Yeah. So they they keep the positive effects and they get rid of the negative effects, yeah. which has something to do with eels. Something. To, well, the eels. <laughs> yeah, they say the eels can live really long in the water. They don't necessarily say that the powers come from the eels. But then why do they fill the people full of eels to get the vitamins out of them? I, the, yeah, the questions science, yeah, that we're all asking ourselves after the movie. It's real over. murky. <laughs> the science does not add up. <laughs> but this is more of a mood movie than it is a facts movie. Yeah, and there, there's just something to be kind of said. Like, this movie, man, Eve Stewart had a lot to do in this, and oh, yeah. she fucking crushed it. Like, this movie is all about atmosphere, about tone, about, like, building suspense. And then as soon as you kind of take any of those things away and just look at what you're watching, like, so this whole movie is about a, a really old guy who wants to bang his daughter, but she's not at his version of old enough yet. And then as soon as she gets there, holy crap, can he not wait to get things started? Like, it just gets so weird and muddled with, like, the, the motivations of characters, uh, people's actions, people's reactions. There's just so many just weird things. And I don't mean weird like, ooh, what's going on? I mean weird like, <laughs> are you sure that's what you wanted the characters to do? Because I, I feel like there's a few rewrites that didn't get smoothed out here. Like, it just feels clunky. Or uh, yeah. as the internet put it, half baked. Like it's just mm-hmm. not totally done yet. Yeah, it's like it's a very nice premise that gets brought down to monster movie. Yeah, but I it, kind of liken it to a thing I used to do in like in writing class where you'd go through various rewrites, and I'd always rewrite the beginning chunk of anything so many times that that thing would get so honed and like really interesting and cool like this the first part of this movie yeah it's like it's very honed and very worked through and then it just starts to unravel and get more inexplicable in the final draft like in the, at the very end the last third because i didn't spend as much time rewriting that and that's kind of what i felt at as i got to that last third of this movie i was like they didn't work on this part nearly as much or it didn't feel like it yeah, it's really unfortunate because I hate, like, I really hate saying this phrase, but it, it comes up a lot. It falls apart. Like, mm-hmm. like it, it kind of hooks you. And the problem is, like, if you ever go back for a rewatch, since you know where the movie's going, that hook isn't nearly as strong on a second viewing because you know, like, oh, this turns into a monster movie any minute now. Oh, wow, this thing's two and a half hours long. It's going to be a lot of minutes before it turns into yeah, a monster movie. Yeah, a lot of Dane DeHaan <laughs> wandering around. In yeah, it's the like, sanit- not is it sanitarium? Do they call it sanitarium? I don't remember what they call it, but it, it's essentially two hours of clink swing, clink swing of he him on his crutches. Has a lot of stamina for those crutches, and I can tell you from experience, crutch crutching around is exhausting. Oh, he's going downstairs like a pro. The day he wakes up with his broken leg, he know yeah, he's very coordinated. <laughs> going down, going up steps is <laughs> way easier than going. Down steps oh, he was flying down those yeah. steps. Uh, but yeah, no, it was almost like he had a break in between each shot. So weird. <laughs> uh, I finally realized that at the end, when Mr. Big Bad takes his face off, he looks like Emotep from The Mummy. Okay. Just a little bit. 
I didn't think it. It's a Emotep mixed with the swamp thing. I see more look- swamp thing than Imhotep, but I mean, I, I don't think you're wrong. I just that one doesn't grab. I'd have to look at him again. Yeah, that's just me. That's what I was thinking because it it's so like campy at the end, like with the over the top production design and everything. Because it felt like we stepped into like this classic mad scientist Frankenstein type of lair. But they were kind of hinting at it the whole way through a little bit. They were hinting at it, but the design was a complete shift. Sure. Oh, yeah. Like, it went full, like, almost Phantom of the Opera with, yeah. like, that bed under with the... With all yeah, the yeah. candles, all the vases and furniture and just... Jars of babies. Things just laid out, the mirror with the brushes and the bandages and everything. Yeah. Versus it... in the spa slash sanitarium or whatever, where it's just mostly white and sterile and empty yeah white sterile a lot of green green because that's just a color that they used in like medical places sure yeah yeah but you i think you kind of you buy every environment though like like, like when you're looking at what eve stewart did like yeah you buy every environment through and through that all works it's the rest of the movie that kind of doesn't the the design's super on point yeah no like in the bathroom with the toilet the only thing in that room is the toilet. There's, I don't even remember if there was any toilet paper. <laughs> I don't think so. Yeah. No, the eel stole it. And it's, so <laughs> it's very eels. pinpoint on that space where in the sanitarium. I'm hoping that's the right I word. I don't think it is. That doesn't sound right to me. It just keeps coming into my brain where I want to say that instead of spa. But um, yeah, they no, don't I, have any frivolous objects. They have some things they play with outside but inside their rooms and stuff it's very bare bones no one has any personal objects which makes it even silly interesting when that one woman comes in her giant fur coat and talks about how she thinks she overpacked and you don't see anyone else with like any personal items well no because they all get taken yeah like even she's like i'm only gonna be here for a weekend they're like yeah we'll see well yeah they, no one yeah. leaves <laughs> It's just an interesting design aspect. Yeah, for, for sure. For people who never leave, they don't have any remembrance of their past. Because they're dying at all times. They don't need stuff. I'm sure they're either getting drained or sleeping. Yeah, and they get like an where hour. Where did all their stuff go? Sold it. Who knows? They got to keep that place going somehow. Either <laughs> they're way, vague on the rest of the details. Either way, it's a design choice, <laughs> and I'm noting it, and it's interesting. Sure. Oh, yeah. And you know, everything visually is believable like the the locations are all believable the the design is all like that even though there's a lot of cheesiness with all that underground that that headquarters that bed all that all that looks so it's weird from a story perspective but like sure there'd be that place underneath this spa sanitarium sure there'd be a tank room full of bodies i would believe it like nothing seems This is weird to say, but nothing seems weird about it. I would expect this in a movie with this level of tension, and every design choice felt right. Yeah, like, like when you just look at the the cosmetics of the film, from the cinematography to production design, all of it, like, it just kind of works. Like, you're looking at a movie that thematically makes zero sense. Like, not zero sense, but very little sense um, as it moves throughout the feature. But the, the cinematography, the music, the the set all of it that stuff is all on point like that you you can see just how the sets kind of build throughout the movie they get a little bit weirder a little bit darker a little bit more bleak 
as the movie goes on and as the movie does those things or at least attempts to do those things uh cinematography does the same thing like everything else is all working perfectly together and then you just have this story that just didn't show up (laughs) it's just kind of unfortunate like for me the weakest part of this movie if i had to choose the weakest part is when Lockhart slash Dane DeHaan is doing his speech about how they're all being taken and they're not sick and they're all being slowly killed. And then they just kind of get up as these mindless zombies and going, I'm unwell, but I'm unwell, I'm unwell. And then they clamor around him and just kind of start touching him. And it's scary. Yeah, but the problem with that is in a different movie or maybe even in this movie if there's a three hour version of it there there could be something in the water there could be something that like maybe these people are into it for some reason like there there's ways to explain them being like oh you're a bad egg get you out of here but if they're not going to attempt then we're stuck with two positions one uh are they drugged are they what's going with the brainwashing like what's going on with these people two why isn't it happening to dane dehan yeah, that's why right. I say it's the, one of the weakest moments in the whole movie for me. Like, the only thing that I can come up with as to why this isn't happening to Dane DeHaan is when they go to the uh, the bar and he tries the vitamins once. I don't know how long the vitamins stay in your system. They down the stuff like it's candy, so I don't think that long. But he does take a hit of those vitamins that kind of negate the water effects. Yeah. But I just don't think... I mean, he has a belly full of eels, and he's still just okay. Like, he's gone through all the steps that the man that he was sent there to get, Mr. Pembroke, every single thing that Pembroke does, he does. But Pembroke is fully indoctrinated and is just like, I love this. I've never felt better while he's sitting in that, like, faux iron lung eel incubator machine thing. Yeah. No, like, they, they make mention of the fact that, like, they want to be there. They want this. This is like, and yet it's just lip service to it. Yeah. Like it, I don't know if that, because after he gets the eels in the belly, then you go to the shot of him on the, the bench when Hannah comes over to him to give him back the ballerina. And he's talking about how, why would I ever want to leave? This is perfect or some, whatever the line is. And then he smiles and she looks at his teeth and notices that he has his two teeth back. Yeah. Like, so he is finally a patient and throughout the entire film Dane DeHaan's character Lockhart is consistently reminding us he is not a patient Mm -hmm. he is unfortunately there he showed up he got into a car accident he busted his leg he can't leave um so he's not a patient he doesn't want to go through with it but he knows to kind of like help them out like maybe I should just give them an inch so that they don't kick me out of the building so I can eventually get my guy. So that all kind of works. Like him showing up and slowly getting indoctrinated makes sense. But that's kind of like what John was talking about earlier in this episode, where the first half of this movie feels like, okay, no, they know what they're doing. Yes, this all tracks. Yeah, Dane DeHaan would show up. He would know that he can't leave because of his leg or whatever. So he might as well work with them a little bit so they think he's on their side. And then maybe when it's time to get uh, Pembroke out, he'll be very easily able to do that because they're all working together. But the the movie falls apart when we don't find out why his character is immune to all of this bullshit that they're doing to everyone. Because everyone else is just totally in it. Maybe not his friend a little bit, the woman who's like kind of like really into the history of the place. Well, the, thing, the difference with her is just she just seems to be established as a person who likes puzzles, so therefore she just has an inquisitive mind. So she's just 
naturally will start to think about her surroundings and try to solve problems more than maybe other people who came there just wanting to be freed. Yeah, there's definitely something there. Like, she's looking for problems and everyone else is just looking to be better. They just need to feel better. Yeah. So, like, she's showing up and she's looking for something to do. She wants to start figuring out she the mystery. She wants to feel better, but she feels better when she's figuring stuff out. Yeah. No, that makes sense. Yeah. And another thing that's about, like, that trying to figure out, solve the puzzle, trying to fight the system or fight the becoming. Like, when I when horror movies do this and the main character fights against this change, this succumbing, and they lose, that's usually where some. That's usually where these movies will end. Like uh, um, Candyman or, like, Midnight Meat Train, the Clive Barker end of things where it's like the hero fights against this until they lose and cannot. And that's where I kind of thought the movie was going to just stop it. And I was like, ooh, hey, he's going to lose. He's going to be like, I am a patient. I'm unwell. And the end. So then as that kind of, as I felt that like, oh, this is kind of a fun ending hook that's dour and sour, it kept going. And I was like, oh, he's going to wake up. He's going to, he's going to try to fight this and win. So then, then you start backtracking trying to figure out where the big mystery is you start looking for more to it i don't know like that's where it all started to unravel for me is she hands it to him and the movie keeps going yeah because like, it, it definitely feels the whole way through like that's like that's the sort of movie you're sitting down for like if you've ever sat down and watched a movie that takes place in a mental institution or really an institution of any sort uh and it's a horror film you kind of know the beats like you you've seen enough of them you, you kind of know what's going to happen like you, you can kind of you know, you know what you're sitting down for. Whereas, like this movie, it kind of just keeps going. Like, if it is the movie very had very long, well, yeah. But if the movie had been about his friend, I, I'm forgetting her name now. But if it just been about her, I think we would have seen that movie. Like, she showed up for help, and then she realized there's mysteries, and she tried to start figuring it out, and then she couldn't figure it out in time, and she succumbed to the place, and she was drained and killed, and yada yada yada. But instead, we get Dane DeHaan's story, and he's like the one that broke the mold. And I appreciate that. I think there's a lot of there's a lot of movies that try to do that sort of story, and they do it really well. But the problem with this one is that we don't ever see the switch. Like, you, you don't you don't have enough details to really figure it out. And maybe they're just maybe a smarter viewer than me can sit down and go like, no, clearly this is why he's able to avoid it. I don't know. From what I got of the movie, it it feels like he got past all the indoctrination, whatever's happening to his body, because the movie needed him to. Yeah. Yeah. And and that's where it really draws out the the fact that what's attractive about any of this? Like why do people want to stay? Cuz it sucks. The place sucks. <laughs> like yeah. as I'm watching this I'm like this place, place sucks. Suck. It's quite comfortable and nice. But is it? I mean, they don't do anything. They sit around and play croquet all day. Croquet or badminton. They get to hang out in pools. They get to do some light exercising. But at that point it feels like a retirement center, which again is fine, but it, it's not like I'm more on John's side of like, why would anyone really want to come hang out here? It's not the best place in the world. You don't get to see anyone. There's like, it just kind of feels odd. Yeah. Like the village below is kind of cruddy. Like you've got to, they want to nice murder views. everyone who comes through. <laughs> right. Right. So there's like a lot of stuff that around the sides that just makes us like, oh, I feel squicky here. Why not? There's probably a better place to spend my days with just the same amount of view. Why wouldn't I go there? You know? Yeah, and then you just have that. Well, you have for to... me, the the biggest problem is there's basically no visitors allowed. So once you're there, you're there. No cell phones work, computers don't work, nothing works. So once you get there, that's where you're going to spend the rest of your days. Okay, so how does their like fucking marketing work? It's not like they'd be like, look at Bill Gates. Bill Gates needed a weekend off, so he came here, 
had his weekend off, and now he's doing great. Look at him. He's doing awesome. Like, even fucking Sweeney Todd cut hair every once in a while. Like... Well, you gotta take it... You gotta go from the perspective of a rich white person. Really. No one comes out of there. But that's almost the fun thing. of Like, the crazy rich person that just disappeared. Suddenly, no one can come after them anymore. There's no expectations. Nobody wants anything from you. You can just lounge around in your white robe all day long and flutter and have fun because you're rich. Yeah, I mean, I guess that's all fair, but it's just... I feel like this movie just needed to be stronger in various other places for us not to have these questions. Because, yeah, we can sit here and explain them away of, yes, they're rich, or yes, this, whatever. But the long and the short of it is, I'm sitting there for two and a half hours, and I'm asking these questions. Like, like that's it. Yeah. And so whether or not we can explain them, it doesn't matter. When I'm sitting there watching, say, The Fifth Element, I'm not going... Those aren't even elements. Like, Mm -hmm. (laughs) I've seen the periodic table, like... The movie takes you there. This yeah. movie does its thing, and we're just sitting there watching. We're not yeah. going on a ride with it. No. Because they, they have threads that don't go anywhere. Yeah. Like, with Dane's relationship... Dane's relationship with his mom was the only one that had a follow-through with the theme of the ballerina who's in a dream. But that's not even... The th- it's more but, of a coincidental, like, plug for a later point in the movie. But that's... It's still a through-line theme of some sort about a girl not... Because it talks about how... Her mom says she doesn't realize that she's in a dream. She doesn't know who she is. Yeah. Which is Hannah. Yes. Uh, and so then in a way it ties Dane DeHaan with her because then he, she was, his mom gave him the mission to save the ballerina in a way. Yeah. Because you even see Hannah dance and stuff. That has a through line. Whether or not it's a strong one for you, it has a through line. The one with his father committing suicide in front of him doesn't really have a through line like that doesn't really go anywhere for me no he doesn't yeah no he doesn't have any psychological breaks with it you just see some flashbacks when it feels like you might be getting some sort of deeper meaning to it he wakes up with eels all around him when he's drowning in water the only connection to his father with that with me is the fact that his dad jumped off a bridge and was you know, probably drowned. So that was the only connection that Dane DeHaan had to that in his experience at the sanitarium. Otherwise, the father issues don't add up to anything. The whole him being a big real estate mogul doesn't really add up to anything other than he decides to not get in the car at the end of the movie. Holy shit, that scene could have been left out. Yeah, that didn't need to happen. And yeah. Just, so they just they gave him stuff to build his character, but they didn't really have any through lines with much of it, other than just making him a white knight. Yeah. Right. And and going back to the whole like father's suicide thing on there, it's like that scene you could have cut that yeah. completely. And and when that when you have a scene like that in there, that specific scene, him jumping off the bridge, the son seeing it, I'm expecting there to be a thematic connection especially when you've got this like spa the sanitarium becoming changing uh fighting against your nature your predicted like he there's even a scene where dane dehan is in his father's place and he's jumping so like there's already this through line of like he's going to succumb he's going to give in to that that potential fear like that worry that darkness he's going to give into it but, like his father but they did. don't even establish what the darkness is really they kind of they imply that 
they feel like his father was weak in some fashion, like he couldn't handle the business world. So Dane DeHaan wanted to be the opposite of that. But it doesn't honestly seem to affect his choices in the sanatorium. Sanitarium. Yeah, no, it doesn't. Like, Yeah, there's so much there that makes you start to think about other things thematically and expect different things. And there's even there's not even a subversion. They just don't even do anything with it. Yeah. Yeah, I, I just... I don't know what this movie needed. I don't know if it needed more camp. I don't know if it just needed another crack at writing the characters. But there's just something missing from it. And I, I, I don't regret buying it. I don't regret watching it two times. I think it is a stunningly gorgeous film. Um, I feel like you mostly watch this movie for Eve's work. Yeah. Well, and the cinematographer. Like They, they the, both did an amazing job. You know, they totally yeah. help each other in that regard. The writing... I hate saying it because we do love the director, and I'm he did. I don't remember. Did he write it? I don't think he did. No, uh, he helped. He had uh, Gore had story by credit, but okay. uh, but I think that he just worked on it. So like he didn't have sole writing credit. But yeah, no, we we like Gore Verbinski. I mean, the dude directed the Budweiser commercial, the one with the frogs back in the nineties. And didn't he, he directed the frogs commercial? You gotta love Gore Verbinski. And pirates. <laughs> well, and pirates, whatever. But he did Bud. Why? He did the frog commercial. I just found that out before recording this he episode. I didn't know how I was going to get it into it. One of Johnny Depp's greatest performances that might have also ruined his career. The Lone Ranger? You liked it that much? No, I'm not. I'm talking about Gore Verbinski. But yeah, the, I am too. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> <sighs> okay, well, Jack Sparrow brought Johnny Depp down a road that has not gone well. Yeah, see the Lone Ranger. <laughs> I didn't see the Lone Ranger because when, even before people were really getting mad about white people playing other races, I was already like, oh, Johnny, no. No, that's not a good one. Don't do that. Oh, man. That that movie is a goddamn mess. Uh, but again, gorgeous. Like, Gore Verbinski's got a, he's got an eye for style, man. I just, he does. Yeah, I think he just needs to have some some help in the story department after looking at the last few of his movies. Um, But I think that's kind of everything I have to say about a cure for wellness. I know we were very mean to this movie. I actually still kind of like it. Like, I don't think I'll go back that often. If you view it from the lens of camp and style, it's great. Yeah. Like I I don't, I don't regret spending time on it. Like, I don't think it's a bad movie. I'd even recommend it. If you want to watch two and a half hour, like psychological horror film, there's better ones out there. We watched a better one this weekend. We watched Doctor Sleep this weekend. Yeah. But uh, I don't, still don't think it's a bad movie. No, and and everyone, all the actors there are fun to watch. Dane DeHaan, I like, I love watching him in movies. Like I started to really kind of shine to him. Oh yeah, I love. It. I think he's great. Jason Isaacs is always just the best at chewing scenery. Like he's just phenomenal at it. He does a great job as like the monster at the end of the film with his burned up green moldy face, and he's mm-hmm. like, yeah, he's scary. He's great. He's always been great at it. And Mia Goth. He had a great physicality to it too. Like, oh yeah, great physicality to it. Mia Goth played a very good infantilized woman. Yeah, she played a yeah. great twelve-year-old slash eighteen-year-old slash no idea of life she yeah this is another one of those examples of a child sex thing yeah it was there's a reason we didn't talk much about her character because i i just 
that is the thing that just kind of stuck me the wrong way this time. And it's not like they... Yeah. I don't think the movie handles it poorly. Like, I don't think... It's just a trope that is so... Yeah. Let's leave this trope behind, please. Yeah, I, I just kind of like, dudes, just yeah. fucking stop. Stop writing these women who are just so enchanting because they don't have an identity. Yeah. Yeah. She's so hot because she'll follow me around and do whatever I say because yeah. she doesn't know any better. Yeah. Ugh. Please stop that. <laughs> Be better at writing female characters. Ah, and there's that line with Jason Isaacs. She might look like a woman. She doesn't. She looks like a child. They've dressed her like a child. Mm-hmm. When, she, she walks around like she doesn't understand her own body the whole time. She walks around like a toddler. We have a toddler in this house. She walks like a toddler. Yeah. And the problem is, the end of this movie is very rough to this woman. And watching that stuff is just like, I feel like I'm watching a child get brutalized. Like, this is just... Well, you are. Well, you are. You are watching, a, yes, mentally a child get brutalized. And it's just like, Ugh. All right, I was trying to be nice to this movie in the farewell. Sorry. <laughs> I shouldn't have mentioned me ago. No, we well, shouldn't. Well, no. I mean, at the same time, yes, because that is a big strike against this. Like, when you yeah. get down she to it... She did like, a great job working with what she was given. She was just given... A very bad trope of a female character. I don't blame Mia at all. That is the movie. I think Mia did a good job with what she had. I actually really like Mia Goth. I, I don't know her from a ton of stuff. I remember seeing her in Everest for a minute or two, and I've seen her pop up here and there. I'm excited to see her in more. I think she's a good actor. Yeah. It's not her fault this character is so... Yeah. Um. But with that, I think we should try to... <laughs> God, with that, it's time to move on to... I was going to do favorite... Do you think we have enough quotes? Uh, I have a pretty basic quote that I really enjoy, but otherwise, I can do favorite moments. So let's do both. You can either do a favorite moment or favorite quote if you don't have a quote. Uh, I'll go first because I had a quote just because I really like it. I'm not a patient. I love it because it's just one of those things that's just like... It's just maddening. Like, you know in the beginning of the movie when he signs that document and the camera holds for a second, it's like, oh, you didn't just sign in. You just signed something bad. Yeah. And when it finally <laughs> yeah, you comes, didn't just sign in. You signed he, that in. That makes him yeah. a bad businessman, like, immediately, Yeah, by read the your way. contracts, kids. Uh, but I, just, I love that, just specifically in the office when he thinks he's finally getting away after they've drilled a hole through his tooth. We skipped over a lot of points in this movie. Um... But after, like, they drill a hole through his tooth, and he's sitting in the office, and he's got, like, a knife pointed at Jason Isaacs, and he's like, I'm not a patient. And the one doctor's like, well, I, I have your your sign-in sheet right here, though. You are a patient. And it's just like, ah, fuck, they got him. Ah. <laughs> yeah. Ugh. I like uh. the moment when he hands the tooth to the receptionist. Oh, my God. And she's all like, I'll put it in some milk. That's not milk either. I don't know what not, she puts it in. That's not milk. Not, it's some real watered down milk, which I ain't going to. One, you're super casual about this. How often do people come to you with their teeth falling out? Well, I know in this, this movie, the answer is a lot. A lot. But in life, you'd be like, what the hell? Oh, my God. You need to see a doctor. There's still <laughs> nerves hanging off the end of that yeah. tooth. Like, that wasn't ready to come out. And just <laughs> trying to hand it back to him as if she's done a great deed by putting it in milk. I'm like. Here's your milk what tooth. Is, no. You're so weird. <laughs> I have so many questions after that scene. <laughs> uh, John, what about you? Uh, for me, I, I know that we can. You could 
that that last scene in the movie Eh, whatever, it didn't work. But I like the shot, the very final shot of the movie quite a bit. And I think it's because the way the shot is composed, him on the bike with her behind him, but Dane DeHaan's teeth, that they f- like his fake teeth, there's such an evil, sinister grin to his mouth. And it was like, it, doesn't, it didn't work for the movie because like, it looks more sinister and evil than I think they were intended. But I just liked that, liked that picture, just that... How striking it was! Cast him in Spider-Man. That's oh yeah. That's every time yeah. I see that smile on his face, I'm like, oh, that's why you were gonna be the Green Goblin. He got robbed. He would have been really such a good Green so Goblin. Good. He got one scene. He was good. Yeah. He would have been great. He would have been great. Yeah. Bummer. Double feature time. Who's ready? <laughs> Watch I had this a again. Double feature last night, but I forgot it. Yeah, I told you. You it, did. Right? I don't remember, but I remember uh, mine. Mine's pretty simple. I'm going with Shutter Island. Uh, I'm gonna watch Cure for Wellness first, but then Shutter Island, uh, and I don't think I really need to explain too much. They're they're very similar, just kind of in design and look and tonality and whatnot. Um, but I definitely watch this one first and then Shutter Island because Shutter Island, although not a great film, kind of like this one, uh, is much better than this one, and you'll you'll probably enjoy that ride a little bit more. Um, but Scorsese's got a lot more years and a lot more experience directing than Verbinski does, so that makes sense. John, what about you? Given the way that it goes campy at the end. Uh, I would pair this with uh, House on Haunted Hill, the 1999 version. <laughs> oh. I love yeah. that movie. <laughs> I, I hate it. I hate it so that much. So good. It was a movie that introduced me to Tay Diggs. Yeah, no, I, I put ha- House on Haunted Hill at the very end because you start you, you start with this uh, Cure for Wellness and it's got this insane asylum, sanitarium thing going on and then it kind of goes cheesy at the end. Well... House on Haunted Hill knows it's cheesy all the way through, and they're partying. They're partying at an abandoned insane asylum. So it just feels to me that's the direction the evening should go after that back half or that back section of Cure for Wellness. Fair enough. Fine. Pirates of the Caribbean. <laughs> Another movie with really good production design. It is surprisingly long, but it doesn't feel that long, honestly, because it's a great ride. And you don't really question any of the physics because it's just a really good Gore Verbinski movie. Yeah, like he he can do it. Yeah. <laughs> so Pirates of the Caribbean, the first movie, fantastic. There's a reason why they just keep trying to make another one. Well, now they're just doing it without Johnny Depp. Like that'll be it. No, yeah, guys. But they're <laughs> trying to catch the magic. Yeah, no. And it's just it's one of those things where you can't bottle so, lightning twice. Yeah. I wish them luck. There's... I mean, if I could have another experience with pirates like I did with the first one, because I remember sitting in that theater and being like, wow, I wasn't expecting this. Yeah, I remember going like, huh, I thought that was going to be shit. And whoa. And then every movie <laughs> I after, I'm like, like, that's this was a what ride? I thought the first one was going to be. <laughs> <laughs> Dead man's chest on. It's like, uh, I'm validated. <laughs> I was, oh, but I love the first one. Why can't you just. Oh, Stop. You're oh. making it too complicated. Stop. Oh, fourth one. No, please. Oh, fifth. You're actually not that bad, fifth one. I mean, you're better than the other ones. Yeah. Oh, man. Oh, fun pirates tangent. Anyhow, that brings a close to this episode. Next week, though, we have another movie with middling reviews. Hoping for a good one next week. Because <laughs> uh, we all know the week after is a special kind of wonderful. So next week is the lovely. It has middling reviews? Middling. Oh. I thought it was well received. I think people liked it. I don't think critics liked it. 
and unfortunately we are kind of critics and we sometimes tend to side with the critics i know we try not to but sometimes we do i never read any critic things i would say our opinions tend to line up with them and i'm not exactly proud of it but Oh, that makes us professionals. Oh, does it? Yeah. <laughs> Welcome to the professional podcast. Well, we're if, if it's a snooty elite. <laughs> oh my god, yay. I'm yeah, drinking this... my water with my pinky up. No, no. See, <laughs> see, here's the barometer. Here's how you judge it. Uh, Batman v Superman and Justice League. Oh, yeah. Okay, I was definitely wrong then. Um, <laughs> they did not agree with me there. <laughs> that movie yeah. has defenders. Okay, well, not ju- I'm actually kind of on, I'm more on the critic side with Justice League. I'm like, mm, not that great. Just Batman vs. Superman? Great. Great movie. Anyhow, <laughs> let's do a quick round of plugs and say goodbye. For my plug, uh, I will... Of course, say ATHpod.com for this and ever the show. Uh, be sure to check out every Monday. Uh, welcome to You Are Doom, the Frisky Dingo podcast. Former home of the Venture Brothers podcast. <sighs> and uh, we're, all, uh, we're all taking it pretty rough. If you've not heard, Venture Brothers show was canceled. And all of us over at Venture Bros have been screaming at each other over our little Facebook chat in just like sad rage for the past 24 hours. It's been a rough, rough go of it. Yeah, you were all having a party at Spider Skull Island. Yep. And then it blew up. Uh, somebody on Reddit said it best. Adult Swim used to be all Go Team Venture. Now they're all Go Team Boobies. <laughs> I'm not going to explain that quote. If you don't understand it, you need to watch Venture Brothers. That's the end of my plugs. Chewy, anything you're plugging? Superstore. Super, super, it's superstore. Great, it's a great show. I highly recommend you watch it. And they are not affiliated with us in any way. For some reason, I got really nervous about that the other day. <laughs> no. So if anyone ever listens to this, I am not a representative of Superstore. I just happen to work for them. Good clarification. <laughs> John, what you plugging? Uh, Demon Days. Every week, uh, our gang of uh, demonic misfits, devilish misfits, go on adventures using the D&D uh, tabletop role-playing rule set and we're having a great time cool all right so that was uh that was a cure for wellness thank you everyone for listening be sure to try to try to check out the lovely before we talk about it next week i'm excited to see it i've never even seen a trailer i don't know anything about it other than it's about uh, i'm forgetting his name already cole porter bye, bye.